You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. Jen, I'm so excited to chat with you. You know, I was listening to so many of your shows and I've been following you for a while and we've had a chance to connect a few times, um, which I love. But the thing that stands out to me about you um, that I want to start with is this idea of being iconic and becoming Mm -hmm. iconic. And your podcast is around this topic. And it's so interesting to me because, and maybe it's just me and everyone else hears this, but no one uses the word icon or iconic anymore. And so as I'm thinking about you, I'm like, what is it that this woman felt so drawn to this concept of becoming iconic? And what has your journey, this is so, so layered, right? Uh, Let me ask you seven questions at once. But what has (laughs) your journey of becoming iconic looked like at the same time of building this brand around it? And, you know, I appreciate this question because I've never been asked it. And so I'm actually sort of coming through and, and deciding where where does it come from and remembering and I had this realization as you were asking that this has truly been about my personal journey and me stepping into my personal power before becoming iconic I was a successful entrepreneur but I was an entrepreneur who was constantly looking outside of herself for validation constantly desiring people to tell me how great I was or that my leadership was helping them and just looking outside of myself all the time and becoming iconic, the word iconic showed up for me. And I'm not entirely sure how I'm just going to be honest. I don't know how that popped in. Maybe that was a nice download or channeled. I don't know, but I took it and it really made me uncomfortable, especially as someone who identifies as a woman, like who am I to use the word iconic, you know, Madonna's iconic, Beyonce's iconic, Michael Jackson's iconic, these are iconic Oprah. Like we can pick these big, big people that have been highly successful. And it really triggered me. Who am I? And so I started asking myself that question. And in that, what came forward for me was living an iconic life. Being iconic is waking up every day, deciding to be better than I was yesterday and teaching that to others. How can we improve How can we grow? What have we learned? And being iconic as a stay-at-home mom, being iconic as an entrepreneur, being iconic in our relationships, it's really about, for me at least, becoming the fullest, most beautiful, robust, big version of myself and taking up some space. So I just started to own the word because it challenged me. And I thought, well, if it challenges me, maybe it'll challenge some other people along the way too. Mm, That's so interesting because one of the things I was curious about was, you know, I mean, we have our brands for a reason. We teach what we need to hear. And so Mm -hmm. as I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about becoming iconic, my question that came up was, where were you playing small? How did you play small in your life? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really was. I look back at myself. Not This is really not that long ago. I'd say about three, four years ago with such compassion now, but that took a lot of therapy and a lot of forgiveness of self because a lot of my life was big. I I was successful. The things I did, I did very well. Where I played small was the ability to stand in that. I, I just didn't have in me for whatever reason, the ability to own that success, hold that success because I took humility to this really big level that humility to me meant I had to be 
small and dim my light so other people around me could shine bright. That true leadership was stepping aside and letting other people lead. And yes, there's something to that, but it doesn't mean you have to step aside. You can actually continue to walk forward and people can walk forward with you. So it was really about me going into deep internal work and identifying how much I was, I would almost say it was an addiction to outward validation. If someone was upset with me, I would curl up in the fetal position and it would last so long. I mean, they literally would strip me from any confidence that I did have. And if someone told me I was great, I was on a high. And so a lot of my days were these highs and these lows, this emotional roller coaster, completely dependent on other people navigating that for me, really, because I wasn't navigating that for myself. You know, it's so funny. You, you, say holding success and owning success. And I was, uh, I recorded a solo episode yesterday and someone had asked me about finances. And the only thing Mm -hmm. that I really felt called to share was this idea of not only being able to become that energy or frequency of money, um, so that when you receive it, you are open to receiving it, right? We don't block ourselves. It's like, Oh, I want a million dollars. And then you get a million dollars. And then you're like, ah, what do I do with the million dollars? And it's, it's the same concept. It's whether it's money, success, a healthy relationship, it doesn't matter. We have to become this vessel that can hold for that. We have to be able to match that vibration and that frequency so that when it does come to us, we can hold it. We can create the container for that to land. So how did you get to a point where you were able to hold that success, match that frequency and become that vessel? Mm. And I, I resonate with that so deeply because financially that I was on a roller coaster ride there too. I was making incredible income monthly, but still had more month than I did money. And how someone could go through that much money in a month is still a question. I still don't know the answer to that other than I wasn't standing in my power. So how did I do that? It was really about kind of having this come to Jesus with myself and saying, I guess honoring, I suppose, the ways in which I was holding because I did hold a very successful business. It was sustainable. It was growing. It was what most people and entrepreneurs would be really grateful for, but I was definitely capped and I was capped. I wasn't moving forward. I wasn't growing to the rate that I knew my potential, my capacity could hold because I literally feel like my business was waiting for me. And speaking just in terms of business for a minute, what I witnessed because I've been mentoring for so long is either your business is chasing you, which is, I, I believe, a better way to go, <laughs> or you're chasing your business. And in my experience, I was chasing my business because I had not learned how to be in my energy and enjoy the process. I had ridiculous work ethic. I still do. I love to work. I love to do what I do. It is not something that I wake up and think, oh, I got to do a podcast day or oh, I got a coach day. I love it thoroughly. But there's a difference with this masculine hustle, grind mentality that I had and then matching it and marrying it with this feminine energy that I had to learn to trust. I didn't trust that side. I thought that if you didn't work hard, you were lazy. If I didn't work hard, things would fall apart. And so this is, I'm still, I feel like in the work of figuring this out, but it's definitely become now more enjoyable through healing. I do a lot of breath work. I have a breath work coach. She's on my team. We meet regularly because this really is a constant evolution. Mm. So I want to go 
back to what you were just saying about working hard, Mm -hmm. because I think that when we are young, we are taught what working hard means like this, right? Right. There's this definition, right? Grinding, staying up all night, you know, Mm -hmm. pushing out as much content as possible, making sure everything's perfect, blah, blah, blah. And then we get to a point as we get a little older and we have a little experience under our belts and we're like, but is this actually working hard? Is this even productive? What am I getting out of this? How am I providing value in this way? Mm-hmm. So how have you been able to redefine what working hard and success look like? Mm. This is a good conversation I think you and I could have actually, because I, I guess I've been around a while. And so I watch it. I call it the pendulum. I watch this pendulum swing and I was on the side of this masculine. So I grew up in the entrepreneurial space where it was grind, hustle, like you said, work nonstop. Don't take your foot off the gas. I didn't take a vacation. I'd go on vacation and be on my phone. I think back of like how much I've missed. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was a beautiful life. So I have to honor it. But there was pieces where I'm just like, I have to show compassion for that girl who didn't trust. And then I'm watching this pendulum swing, especially 2020 into this feminine side of like, just let it flow and just welcome it in and manifest it. And because I've been around for a while, I'm like, wait, it's not a one or the other. (laughs) I believe like any relationship, when you bring those two things together, they get to pull out the best in each other. And so that has been a bit of a journey. Like when you agree, aren't you witnessing it where it's just these big yeah. swings? It's so, I mean, I liken it to like the 90s are back. I have a scrunchie on my wrist. It's the same shit. It's like, let's go here. Let's go here. Okay, this is coming back. I think of even in sexuality, like the open relationship dynamic right now is blowing up. I think we're back in the 70s with free love. And then talk to me in 30 years when this next generation of kids is like, y'all were fucking crazy. I'm going to be monogamous. Like, no, thank you. It's all the same to me. And it's it's this black and white. It has to go so far the other way. And I don't understand that. Why can't we live in more of a gray area? Why can't, like you said, why can't we blend these different modalities so that it actually makes sense and is sustainable? Right. And maybe you're like swung a little bit to one side more than the other because that just is what feels good. But I think this is where in life and in business, we we tend to get it wrong, if I can say that. It's this constant like scratching at the surface for the answer. And so we look at these leaders, these mentors, and if they say something, we don't discern. This was my journey. I didn't discern advice I was given. It was like, you should do this. Okay. I was a fantastic student. You told me to do something. I did it and I did it very well. But what I realized in leadership is, is taking advice and discerning, does this feel good? Can I hold this for a long period of time? Is this going to be fulfilling? Can I create a beautiful life alongside of my business? Do these two things match? So I really wanted to encourage anybody listening in to start the act of discernment so that the pendulum for you stays a little bit more steady in the middle. And yeah, it swings a little bit from side to side based on if you're launching something or your marriage needs a little bit of tending to, there's going to be those swings, but that it's more steady. And in that steadiness, you'll find more fulfillment. Mm, I love that. Okay. Discernment. This is, 
I feel like such a hot topic for me the last six months, Mm. uh, especially in the coaching industry. The words integrity and discernment. And you use integrity a lot, which is why I initially fell in love with you. I was like, thank God someone else is talking about this. (laughs) Um, And I really respect you and the way you speak about things. And you're very honest and you call things out. And I really, really appreciate that about you. And I, I think that people like us have to go through not having been discerning to come to a place where we understand what that even means and how to know how to work with someone, how to know who to listen to, how to know when we get to trust ourselves. It's this long winding path to get to where we are at this point and how you are showing up in your coaching business and how you work with your clients. So what was the winding path of discernment for you? And when was that like aha moment where you thought, oh, I'm going about this in the wrong way, or this is where I can make a change here that would actually be more self-honoring for me. Yeah. And this, these conversations is why I was so excited to be here with you too, because you and I will have a really honest conversation and what's right for us may not be right for the next person. That's okay. And I think that was part to answer your question. That's part of it. I stopped trying to be everything for everybody. I danced that really well. But it came a time in my journey where there were some people who didn't resonate with me, who didn't think I was a great leader. And that sucked. That was my first experience. And it knocked the wind out of me where I couldn't understand because I consider myself a highly compassionate person. I consider myself somebody who has a big heart to see other people succeed. And so when somebody looked at me with a different set of eyes, I couldn't grasp that. It was really hard for me to chew. And how I behaved in that moment, I don't really, I I had to do a lot of forgiving around because I did go down this victim mentality pit of poor me and why don't they like me? And, but that was the start of my journey of discernment. That was, I look back now and know exactly why that happened. And I'm grateful now that that happened. That took a long time to get there, but that started this. And I'm so grateful now to be where I am because It taught me that to be in my personal power is to recognize that my opinion doesn't need to be yours, but that always has to lay in a level of respect. And it always has to come from a pure, compassionate place. We can have really difficult conversations and we can call things out in our industry when it's coming from purity. If it's manipulation, if we're saying this from a marketing point of view and we're doing this to brand ourselves, that's when you're going to have people who you trigger and there's going to be some lash out. I don't really have that, not to say it won't happen. I don't really have that because I believe people feel the purity of what I'm saying, that it doesn't have to be right for you, but I'm seeing these things and I want to have this discussion and I want us to pay attention and I want us all to elevate as leaders. All of us are leaders and no matter what you're doing, if you're in business listening to this or you're leading your family or you're leading yourself, we're leaders. And what if, especially as women, we decide to raise the bar for each other by having these conversations and just mirroring back and then being open to have respectful dialogue around the things we're noticing. And so having that and starting that created this really beautiful love language of conversation for me. I love this, this kind of space where we're just chatting and people get to listen in. I love being with leaders like yourself and I love using my voice in a way that serves others. And so that you're right. The discernment journey is forever, I believe, because once you get it, then you can't come out of it. 
I think the amazing thing about this and what you just shared is that you took responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just get real honest about what being a great leader entails. It yeah. entails taking responsibility. I have watched, I have been, let's be honest, in my volleyball career especially, I have been the leader and I have watched leaders now in my adult life who point blame at their team, Mm -hmm. who say, oh, it's their fault. I did everything right and it's on them. Okay, we all have a part in this. And I think where we miss the mark so often is not taking responsibility for ourselves. Because you talk about raising the bar for others. Well, we can't do that until we raise the bar for ourselves. And that's what you did. You got called out. You had to come to Jesus. You were like, well, shit, what are we doing now? (laughs) You took responsibility. You Mm -hmm. made some changes and you leveled up yourself so that you could also hold others accountable at that space. We don't get to hold people accountable at a higher level than we're holding ourselves accountable. Just a quick pause here to tell you about the brands I like to fuck with. Okay, so I've been talking about Cured Nutrition and their Solve Salve. If you don't know already, buy it. It's amazing. It makes your pain go away. I probably can't, you know, share that from a medical perspective, but from the Kelly Moore perspective, it makes your pain go away. It makes you feel better. I want to tell you about Zen. Okay. So here is the thing about what they have done with their Zen nighttime blend. So comes a little dropper. So delicious. But Connor has been having a tough time sleeping. I think that after the wedding um, and then us not working out and just being out of our routine, he's just kind of feeling wonky. And so he's tired the next day. So I was like, babe, use the Zen nighttime blend. I do a couple dropper fulls. Uh, I don't actually know how much you're supposed to do, but I like, you know, more is better for me (laughs) when it comes to things that relax me, um, especially if they're natural and I feel like they're doing great things for my body. So Zen has Rishi in it, ashwagandha, skullcap, which I had never heard of, but dope in here for it, passionflower, valerian, and magnesium. We all know magnesium helps with sleep and relaxation and calming down your muscles, but Rishi, so amazing for you. For your immune system, detoxifying the liver, helps stabilize blood sugar, helps with anti-inflammatory things going on with your body. Ashwagandha helps regulate your cortisol levels, reducing stress and anxiety. Skullcap did not know this. I am here to educate you. Nature's sleep aid. What? I feel like I need this into my veins. Uh, It aids in, in deep, restful night's sleep, helps reduce anxiety and ease nerve tension, and on and on and on. Basically, all the best things you could ever want are in the Zen nighttime oil. Again, just do like a dropper full or two. Tastes great. So simple. And I swear it is helping us sleep better. Um, I swear by Cured's entire line. So if you're curious and you're like, well, I don't want that one. I want to try this. Do it. Like you literally can't go wrong. So if you want to try it out, Cured, try it out. If you want to try out, I can talk. Um, Go to curednutrition.com. That's C-U-R-E-D nutrition.com. Use the code Kelly T. And because this company is so fucking amazing, they are giving you 10% off plus free shipping because, hi, thank you so much. They are so sweet. We love them. Okay. I also want to talk to you about a mushroom blend that I am loving. I said this on another podcast and I'm not going to go super deep dive into this, but I need to tell you something. 
most companies that have powdered mushroom blends are using crap. They are sourcing from crap mushrooms. And many of us don't know this because there are some really big recognizable brands out there that swear they are doing things out of integrity and they are not. How do I know this? Because I am on the side of podcasting and I know a lot of people and I hear the things and I learn the things and then I share the things with you. (laughs) And it's super unfortunate, but it is the reality. So I want to tell you about Everyday Dose. Wow. I have never been more focused and had better sustained energy throughout the day until now. I am not kidding you. I have been drinking Everyday Dose for about six weeks now. I drink it on its own. Sometimes I blend it with my Organifi. Sometimes I'll put oat milk in it. Like all, I just blend it however I'm feeling that day. It is loaded with functional mushrooms, collagen, nootropics. You have lasting energy, no crash or jitters. And I am not kidding you. You're so focused. It is insane. I get so much done. And I was really needing this, especially, like I said, Connor is having trouble sleeping. I was feeling lethargic going to bed at seven o'clock every night. This has helped me get back into my routine, waking up at 536 in the morning, feeling like a badass. It is so good. It has a little bit of coffee in it, just a third the caffeine of like an actual cup of coffee, but then it has all these mushrooms in it. So it it kind of neutralizes uh, everything and blends together so beautifully. You have to try this. I have literally been telling everyone I know it's so good. So, so good. So if you go to everydaydose.com, use the code Kelly T. This is not a joke. You will get 65% off, 65% off your order because they're giving you 20% off their current discount for your starter kit. Kelly T. Use it. Everydaydose.com. Enjoy. So how hard has it been? Because for me, taking responsibility was very uncomfortable. When I learned how to say (laughs) sorry and take responsibility, I was like, shit. (laughs) How hard is it or maybe easy for you has it been to take responsibility and become that type of leader? It was the biggest relief I've ever had in my life. Because if we actually just look in the mirror constantly and take that personal responsibility. You'll often hear me say radical personal responsibility. I teach leadership and the where I start every time. People are hungry. They're like, teach me leadership. Teach me how to build a team. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. We have to start with you and how you're leading yourself. And when we start there and you really start to take that personal responsibility everything accentuates. It's like this beautiful opening. I think of a flower, like a rose just opening up and it's so beautiful because it started with you. And when I decided to stop looking out and start looking in, at first it was really hard. I didn't like it. I cried a lot. I was angry. There was things I wanted to avoid, parts of me I didn't want to acknowledge. But it was through that acknowledgement and loving that and being compassionate with that, that I can now be this empathetic leader for other people. And it also released me from any attachment to people's opinions and the way they come at me. So I have no problem with you disagreeing with what I have to say. And I actually expect that, you know, that's going to happen. People are not going to agree and that's okay. However, 
how you approach that is your responsibility and how I receive that is my responsibility. And that really difficult time in my life taught me that. I just would handle that so much differently than I would back than I did back then. And so that difficult time brought me into if it ever happened again, what would I do differently? And I would handle my own backyard a lot differently than I did, you know, when before it was just all about them and what they thought of me and pursuing these people with no matter how much pursuit I was going to put out there, I could dance, I could do anything. They just weren't willing to look at me in that way. We weren't meant for each other. And so that personal responsibility releases that attachment, releases that tie from trying to win people over. And instead you just get to be. What did you learn when you release the need for external validation? That it feels a lot better when it comes from me. Uh, it's like fulfilling on a cellular level. Yeah, it makes me a little emotional. It's like, you know how real, you know how true it is because it's from you. There's no ulterior motive. There's no manipulation. There's no opinion. There's no other attachment other than you looking in the mirror and going, wow, you did that. Or wow, you're really showing up in your life. Or I forgive you for snapping at your partner today. It's okay. Like we did that. But you know what? You're most of the time you're really, really understanding. And that type of dialogue with myself, that relationship I have with myself is so sacred and important. And when you asked that question, I just felt like I just sunk right into it. So thank you for for asking that. Yeah. Are you a words of validation girl or yes. words, words of validation? Words, yes. Words of validation? Words, words of, of affirmation. Affirmation. Yes. Like, That's not the word. You mm-hmm. are. Okay. So mm-hmm. am I. Okay. So I, I am so curious to ask you this. I've never asked anyone this in my life. Um, I struggle as the leader of my team. We have a team of nine now and I struggle because I am constantly giving others validation, <sighs> affirmation, <laughs> validation. Um, I'm constantly giving other people affirmation. It's my love language. So that's how I give, you know, and show that I love them. I don't get it back as much as I would like. And it's something that I've worked on in my relationship with Connor and he has, it is not his love language. It makes him very uncomfortable. So he has really had to try so hard and he's done an amazing job in the last two and a half years. But I find that even with my team, I wish that someone would be like, great job. Or like, mm-hmm. we are onboarding five clients this <laughs> month. Like, wow. You know? Yes. And it's kind of like, no one says anything. And I feel kind of dumb if I'm being honest, because it's something that I would like to ask for, because I do feel like it would feel really good to have that kind of support. But then I also am like, I'm the leader of this team. Is that weird to ask for that? Does that make sense? Makes t- Total sense. Okay. (laughs) Makes total sense. And this is a really great conversation because you're not alone in that. I'm not alone in that. And even if it's gifts or um, time, whatever the love language is, somebody will be able to connect to this because when we, especially generous humans, which you are, you're a very generous, very generous leader. And you are generous to the people in your community. And I also witness you be generous with your team. I, I, I watch you. And so when we are generous, we give, we give, we pour out. And sometimes that can be a bit of an energy leak for us when we're not receiving that back a little bit. And so this happened for me in leadership. I felt so lonely 
I kind of bought the idea of it's lonely at the top. I thought, well, I'm at the top. You know, I've made it here. <laughs> but it's yeah. really, it's like nobody tells you anymore you're doing a great job. Nobody tells yeah. you anymore way to go for having a new client. It's just people assume that that's just, you're, you're good with that. You've done it. And we miss it. And so here's what I did. And this was, I didn't even realize why I did this until this conversation. I actually met with my team and this can even be with family. So anybody listening in, even if you don't own, you know, run a team, this could be with your family. I said, how do you love to be recognized? What motivates you? And they would tell me, and I would learn their love languages. For some people, it was like, you know, acts of service or a gift. And so I started to honor their love language because I was also in some ways not fulfilling them if I was pouring Mm -hmm. out these words of affirmation, but yet she doesn't really care about that. That's her like least love language. She wants touch. She wants me to come over and give her a big hug and like, be like, you are amazing. So it's interesting. Now we start to identify, Ooh, I'm doing what I want to get, but it's not necessarily even fulfilling you. So it was beautiful because they would tell me, and I started to meet them with what motivated them. And naturally they started asking me questions back. Like what, what would be good for you? What motivates you? And we started to have this beautiful relationship where everybody felt seen and understood. And it made it a lot more fun because I would go buy a gift for her and not feel bad that this one over here didn't get a gift because they didn't really care. So it stopped this whole comparison and needing to keep everything even too, because as you're growing a team, that can sometimes be a bit of a a struggle, right? Like what I do for one, I got to do for everybody, but not necessarily, not even with your children. I have four kids. So if I treat them all the same, I'm not actually treating them all the same because what one receives as love may not be the way the other one receives love or attention. So I have to meet them where they're at. And for you identifying this, it seems like a really great opportunity. It's always a great opportunity for all of us to look at our relationships and start asking for what we would desire, but also offering to them, what do you desire? Mm -hmm. Damn, that's so good. You're so good. (laughs) Love that. So true though, because I'm over here and this is what happens. We get in our bubble. I'm over here like, I'm giving you all these words of affirmation. I want mine too. And they're like, this totally lost on me. This means nothing. (laughs) No, it's not. It's like the best conversation. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I love that so much. I love that so much. I, um, I recorded something yesterday. I just, I had this interesting feeling. We had this amazing team meeting on Monday and Mm. I have a lot of like younger people that work for me. I'm, I'm about to be 34, but many of them are like 25, 26, mm-hmm. and they feel so young. They're like babies. And I've had an opportunity to watch them grow over the last couple of years. And I remember in our team meetings when we first started, no one would talk. It was like, yeah. Kelly's in charge. Kelly says everything. <laughs> I must have been very scary or something. <laughs> and now we've really created this open dialogue. And I, I have gotten so much better as a leader at listening. And I didn't realize how much I just talked at people and I I talked for a living, you know, and I was the captain of the volleyball team my whole life. And then I talked for a living on TV and then I run a podcast. And so I realized that I had just started listening so much more in the last couple of years since we started Soulfire. And that allowed them to have the space to speak up. And I'm listening to these kids. I'm like, guys are so fucking smart. Smart. Like, wow. (laughs) You know, I'm blown away. You guys know way more than I do. (laughs) Um, I'm curious if listening has played a big role in your leadership growth and how that has looked. Mm -hmm. Well, this speaks to me of confidence because to Mm -hmm. be able to listen is an act of confidence. 
a leader who is not confident, wants to fill the room, wants to prove themselves, wants to show how much of an expert they are, you know, look at me. And so for as soon as I see somebody come in a room like that, I'm like, that is not confidence to me at all. That is the polar opposite. Although you want us to look at you as a confident leader, you're not fooling me. I see right through you. And I look at that again, not with judgment, with compassion, because I was there, you know, like, look at me, you know, make me feel important. Um, so what I see in you and what I'm witnessing is that you have this level of confidence now in what you have to offer and what you're building. Like, congratulations that you have a team of nine. Let's just stay there for a second. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and that you are leading this group that look at you as a leader, but also feel comfortable enough around you to offer their opinions and to offer their advice or their skills. That's leadership. And there's something really powerful, especially women. Some people ask me about confidence all the time. They're like, well, how would you describe it? And I have a very vivid image. Hopefully I can articulate it well. But I think of a woman who is like in a really beautiful outfit, whatever that looks like for you. And she's in a chair and she's kind of like leaning back with her arm on the back of the chair and her leg is crossed. And she has this like peaceful confidence to her. I find that the most seductive, alluring type of woman. Like I just, who are you? I want to know you. It's not the one standing up in front of the room who's the loudest. It's not even the one with the prettiest outfit or the nicest bag. I'm looking at that woman who can sit there and not need to be needed. She just knows. She knows she knows herself what she has to offer. And that is the type of woman I desire to be. That gentle, peaceful confidence. It's so powerful. Mm. Is there anything you can pinpoint that keeps you from fully embodying that woman? Mm-hmm. When I slip back into what do they think? Or when I compare, I fell into that trap. Just actually recently, it would be the last couple of months, there's a, a peer of mine who's really doing well. And I applaud her. I'm so happy for her. It's not from a state of jealousy. It comes from a state of comparison of like, why not me? Why are not that many people coming over to my side, you know, seeing what I have to offer? And we actually don't even offer the same thing. So there's not even a competitive edge over each other. It was just me looking at her. And what I caught myself in was I started to talk like her a little bit. And I started to use some of the words that she uses over and over and over again. And it was one of those moments where I was listening to one of my podcasts and I was like, oh gosh, that doesn't even sound like me. What happened? (laughs) Someone took over my body, but I was able to say to myself, oh wait, it's not that that gen, that version that we've graduated from, it's not that she's gone. She still shows up from time to time. We just catch her really quickly now and go, oh, she's here. She's in the room. And you're looking for validation. You're looking outside of yourself again, time to come back home. And we just get back on track. So it's not that it ever goes away for me. It's just that I'm really quick now to sort of detect it and course correct quickly to to go back to what I know is right for me. And it sounds like without judgment, you're going about that. I think that's a huge sign of growth. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've had this experience, but I would do that. And then I would beat myself up and I'd be like, wow, you're so pathetic. You're going back to this old pattern. Like, What's wrong with you? You know, and I just say all these horrible things to myself. I'm like, well, how are we supposed to ever get better if we're just beating ourselves up on a daily basis? And I learned how to show myself grace Mm -hmm. and forgiveness and be like, oh, like that's what we did to cope before. We just don't need to do that anymore. And it's fine. Did you find it 
easy to move into grace for yourself? Mm-hmm. Because I learned something. It was, this is not mine. This is through my breath coach. She said to me, Jen, the reason you're so drawn in, the reason you're triggered, the reason this is all coming up for you is because she's showing you what's possible. She's showing you what you're capable of and where is it in your life that you are not living up to that? You're not standing in that. And that, it felt like a leap. And I don't know, I've had this conversation a couple times recently, and I wish I could say there was this moment and then this happened and you know, I jumped in. It, I just felt like one morning I woke up differently. I woke up in my power and I think I made a decision, a declaration to myself to stop comparing and start owning that I have a lot to offer. And it's not better than, it's not less than, it's different. And people will come into my world who resonate with how I lead. And people will go into your world because they will resonate the way you lead. And when we as women, especially because we've been raised to be so competitive with one another and comparative with one another, when we can like sever that and just be so steady in our power, our personal power, it's when all of a sudden everybody is amplified. I'm amplified, you're amplified, and everybody feels free to make their personal just choices. There's none of this tug of war that isn't necessary. That's so good. I was listening to you um, talking to our mutual friend, Peyton Hughes, this yeah. morning on your podcast. Um, we were talking about her before we recorded, just how much we love and, and admire her mm-hmm. and how much she has changed. Um, but I thought it was funny when you first started the show, you were talking about how much her saying she was taking two hours for herself every day was kind of like triggering and uncomfortable for you. You're like, what do you mean? Two hours? Like, how is that possible? And you wanted to have that conversation with her live on the show um, so that people could witness that. And I, I loved it. It was such a good episode. I will make sure it's in the show notes so people can listen. But it it brought up for me this idea of the sacred pause mm-hmm. and slowing down and taking time for ourselves. And as someone who has been a perfectionist and is like, go, 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 speed of a freight train at all times, mm-hmm. the idea of slowing down at all can be very overwhelming and uncomfortable. And I have definitely gotten better over, at it over the years. But you guys had such a cool conversation around this. And I'm, I'm just curious how that conversation impacted you and changed you. Yeah, that was a really good conversation. She did trigger me. She did. And it still somewhat does. But I, again, this is, oh, I'm so grateful for this conversation because you're actually helping me identify some things that I, I don't know if I've identified until now. That conversation stemmed a longer morning for me. So the idea of two hours in solitude still feels like such a far off thing for me. I'm a mom of four running a podcast, running two businesses. I still do everything, clean, cook, all the things. And that's not a martyrism. That's a choice. So I could choose differently and create the space. But right now I'm choosing all of those things. And so the idea of two hours alone, um, it doesn't, I don't even know after that conversation is like, does that even appeal to me? Is that what I need right now? There may be a point in my life where it is, but I didn't know if I needed that. What it did bring forward to me was the acknowledgement of being with myself. And am I making that a practice? And it doesn't, again, this is going back to even to comparison. It doesn't have to be Payton's structure, although I love it. And I think it's such a big challenge for all of us. What if it gets to be Jen's structure? And so how that unfolded for me, again, I, I didn't even know this until you just asked me this. Like, oh, that's why I changed my mornings. I just, (laughs) 
I moved my mornings from 10 o'clock start to 11 o'clock start. And so what that meant for me was an hour longer in my, I have this whole thing and people know me a lot for talking about my silk robe and the the whole practice and the ritual of the silk robe. And so it gave me an hour longer in that silk robe. It gave me a second cup of coffee or tea to savor. And what it did was plant me into my feminine power. So it wasn't the art of doing nothing. It was the art of being in my feminine, which then took me mm-hmm. out of this feeling of guilt like I should. Because I realized I am I am in something right now. I'm actually working in something. I'm working in this really magnetic energy. And all of a sudden, my branding changed. What I was saying changed because everything was stemming from this like highly charged feminine woman in her silk robe with her coffee and her pretty cup who had had a moment to pause and just be in that before coming out into the world. And that made a drastic change in everything I did. Ooh, that's good. Mm. That is so good. Isn't it fun when you interview someone and you think, oh, well, they're going to impact my community. And then your life changes because of the (laughs) conversation you have. I swear to God, that's why I do the podcast. (laughs) I agree with you. It's just, you learn so much. It's such a gift. The podcast, the podcast world is a gift. Not only is the community getting free access to all of us, and it's also this incredible ability to meet these humans that enhance you and grow you and stretch you. I have been so stretched on that podcast. You were one of them too. I mean, we've talked about that. You were a guest on the podcast. I was so grateful for that because you stretched me into the word pleasure and you stretched me into asking myself, what even does that mean for me? Because I had no concept of what that meant other than saying to somebody, it's my pleasure. But that was just a saying. I don't even know. Did I even know what that meant? Or was I just saying something without thinking. And so, yeah, the podcast world, we, we learn a lot and we get to be with some pretty cool people. That's for sure. Yeah, we do. Um, the last thing I really want to get into with you is this idea of not selling to people's pain points. Mm -hmm. Girl, you got me with that one. I was like, Oh, she's my people. (laughs) And it's something that I had been feeling and pondering for a while didn't really have words to put to it. But every time I went to a sales page, even putting my own sales pages together, I was like, this feels gross. I don't like it. And I'm not totally sure why, but the words are not landing anymore. I feel like I'm coming from a place of lack and like, look at me and I'm going to save you. And I'm not here to be anyone's guru. And then I just didn't know what to do with it. Mm. And then I saw you post something. I think it was a few weeks ago you initially posted it. And then I was listening to the show this morning. And I was like, oh, that's what it is. It's selling to people's pain points. You make people feel bad about themselves on your sales page. So then they want you to fix it for them. Okay. Tell me your entire belief system around this. (laughs) It's a big one. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you. And it's a big one. And it's really a voice I would love to own and speak loudly about, especially in the coaching industry. But anybody who's selling anything. I mean, selling products, it runs into that as well. So here's the thing. I too sold to pain points and I sold to pain points because I had a coach who said, this is how you do copy on a sales page. You tell her what she needs in her life and you tell her how you're going to fix it and she's going to buy your programs. And what I was running into was finding my sales page look just like her sales page, just like look like her sales page. We're all saying the same thing. And I start to cringe and like twitch when I feel like I'm duplicating or copying somebody else. I love individuality. So that was my first sort of spark, I suppose, to like, this doesn't feel good. Second thing was, 
I don't like how this feels when I was being approached. I, you know, I can't say this was my experience, but let me just talk about pain points in terms of me talking to somebody. If I told you, are you tired of not making any sales off of your master classes? Are you tired of not being able to pay your bills? Or how about body image? Do you want those jeans to fit? Or do you want to look good for your high school reunion or whatever they say? She's already lying awake at night thinking about all those things. We know, we know, we know the things that we would love to change or work through. We do not need to be reminded of that. And so it started to feel like manipulation to me. And again, I start to cringe and twitch with anything that's manipulative. We do not need to manipulate to generate a sale. As a matter of fact, that will turn into clients who want refunds. That will return turn into clients who are highly needy, who don't honor your boundaries. It'll um, turn into clients who are unhappy and don't like your services. So you're just going to attract people who think you're going to be able to fix them, like you said. And I'm not here to fix anybody. Actually, nobody even needs to be fixed. Nobody's broken. Nobody's broken. I think somebody needs to hear that. You're not broken. What we get to do when we sell is to cast a vision. Because I would love to buy into somebody's vision that they cast for me. So what it can look like is, are you ready to start traveling and experiencing all of those beautiful places you want to go to with your partner? Are you ready to feel vibrant and healthy and energized throughout your day? Are you ready to have weightless and to have people seeking you out for your advice and your leadership? Casting a vision is so abundant. Like, there's nothing tied to scarcity in that. It's about like widening people's minds and their hearts and opening them up to what's possible instead of all these things they're already laying in. They're there. What if we got to get them to stand up and declare for themselves, I want more and thank you for showing me the more. And now because of that, I trust you even more. And when I come in and I purchase from you, I'm doing it from such an empowered place that this is not uh, money I shouldn't be spending. I'm not being irresponsible because there's a level of that in the coaching world where people are being irresponsible. I'm doing this from a responsibility. I'm doing it because I want to. And when I come into this space, it is going to be so powerful, so good for both of us because we came together from that side of the fence. And we have, a, we have a responsibility as coaches, as mentors, as leaders to really check ourselves when it comes to this because it's not okay anymore. Damn, that is so good. How are you like teaching this already? Or what are you doing aside from the podcast? Yeah, I, I feel like you need, to, you need to host like a three hour masterclass on this for leaders. It's so good. Well, thank you. Yeah. You know, that is definitely my 2022. I found myself. The coaching industry is funny. You can start one way and completely end up somewhere different. And that is definitely where I'm ready to stand and be known as the expert is in leadership. Because what I've identified is, okay, I could be a sales guru. I could be, you know, this marketing teacher and I want to teach all those things. But again, if it's not coming from this pure high leveled leadership, it's always just okay. And your branding and, and your business will flourish beyond your wildest expectations. It's just like when we going back to the beginning of the podcast, right? When you were like, we can only hold so much until we rise, raise up and raise our standards and then things start to rise up to our level. And it's just the most beautiful existence. So definitely want to start teaching that. Yeah, I, I coach. I have one-on-one um, -on -one mentorship, which is very sacred. I only have a few spots for that. 
And I am launching a new program for 2022 that will encompass a lot of these things for sure. I love it. Oh my God. That's <laughs> so good. I'm so excited and I'm so proud of you for really owning this. It's it's really great. Thank you. Jen, thank you so much. I love everything you're about. You have the best energy and you just, you feel good and it feels good to be around you. And I just really appreciate you so much. And I'm so glad we got to be together today. I'm grateful for you too, Kelly. Thanks for having me. 